all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Please be seated. That's from our epistle lesson from 2 Timothy. 1 and 2 Timothy, two letters from Paul, as well as a letter to Titus, also from Paul, are known as the pastoral letters because they give instructions to Timothy and Titus concerning pastoral care of churches. It was during Paul's fourth missionary journey, which happened between AD 62 and 68, that he left Timothy in charge of the church in Ephesus, and Titus was also left in charge of a church in Crete. So in our lesson, Paul is writing to Timothy to instruct him about being a pastor. And really in so doing, he's providing a model for all pastors about how they're to care for people, to conduct themselves in congregation. There were issues. There were issues in that church there. There were problems among them of being a lot of false teaching going on. Supervision issues with this growing church in Ephesus. The need to appoint qualified church leaders. So, if it weren't bad enough, if this growing church, this new church didn't have enough struggles, they're also beginning to suffer persecution under Nero. People are falling away from the faith. So it's in this context that Paul writes to Timothy to help him. It's really, in many ways, a letter from a pastor to a pastor. So if I preach on this lesson this morning, it's really a sermon to pastors. I'm really preaching in many ways this sermon to me. But as I do this, I hope to do something this morning. What I hope to do is help you have a better understanding of what it really means to be pastor in people. What it really means to be shepherd and sheep, a church living together as God's people as the flock of his shepherding. Because really, in so many ways, First and Second Timothy are a treatise about life together. He's saying, hey, Tim, and your church in Ephesus, things are about to get really hard. What are you going to do? Tim, what's your job description? Why did I send you there? What did I call you there and send you there to do? So in the verses immediately preceding our lesson for this morning, Paul had spoken about his ministry, noting that Tim really knows all about it. He also, though, knows that there's a lot of evil people working in that area. They're working very hard to deceive other people as they themselves are deceived. Thus, this whole life of deceitfulness 
as for you, Timothy, there's a contrast then. It's where our lesson begins. He, he sets up this thing that says, this is different. Tim, you are different. You know what's right. You know what to do. Continue in what you've learned. Many translations use the word there, remain. Remain in what you have learned. Live there. Dwell there. Stay there. Do it. He says, I charge you. And then he lists out these tasks, these tasks that should be characteristics of his ministry there. He comes up with this, this whole list. What does it mean to be a pastor there in Ephesus? Preach the word. All pastors, certainly Timothy, they're charged, preach, preach the word. Both are important. Preach it, share it, deliver it. Also important to say, preach the word. Be ready. Be ready in season and out. When is he not ready? Never. It's that way of saying you need to be ready 24-7, 365. Always be ready because you never know what's going to happen. Always be ready to share the faith, to live the faith, to comfort, support, and encourage. He says, reprove and rebuke. Two different ways of, of saying, look, sometimes things are going to be said and done among you, among your people that are sinful, that are incorrect, that are not part of my truth, God's truth. You need to fix that. If it's wrong, you need to say it's wrong. He tells him, on the contrast, to exhort, to lift up those things that are good. Encourage the people when they're doing the right thing. He says, be sober-minded. Not quick to judgment, not quick to anger. Think about it. Think about it in a rational, calm way. Oh, by the way... Uh, Endure suffering. There's times in your ministry, times in that life together, where you're going to suffer. Suffer for doing the right thing. Suffer because the world is working against you. Do the work of an evangelist. Meaning, not just among your people, but out in the community, out in the world, share the gospel, share the good news, tell those who don't know about Jesus. Fulfill your ministry. That's why you were sent there. That's why I asked you to go to Ephesus, do it, live it, be it. If you look at that list, that seems to be a rather full and exhaustive job description. And again, remember that if this whole list weren't hard enough, things are going to get hard in the culture. They're going to get hard in the world. Will you do it then? 
What does it look like to be a pastor then when it's hard, not just when it's easy? Yes, the same can be said for our world today, can't it? All of us living in this world. Because things are not always easy. We don't know when all of a sudden things can change. The, the phone call happens. All of a sudden a storm hits and churches are flooded. Communities are washed out. All of a sudden someone's angry and people are in conflict. It says, Tim, what do you do when your personal life may be a challenge? Maybe the kids get sick. Maybe something's going on in your life away from your congregation. He really challenges all of us. What does it look like to be church in a world that is against us on every level? Okay, Tim, have at it. At some point, you have to imagine Tim going, I can't do all that. That's hard. And yeah, there's a lot of pastors that do at times get completely burnt out. There's nothing left in the tank anymore. And that's just as true for us pastors as it is for moms and dads, employees. Volunteers. Sometimes we, we give so much that we have nothing left to give. What do we do then? And that's why he says all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. What a joy to have that resource. Scripture. The Bible. To have that wonderful, worn-out gift and knowing that that word, that the Bible, isn't my word. It's God's word. Breathed out by him. It isn't some human and some God, as some people want to betray it. No, it's all his. I don't get to, to pick some of it and dismiss other parts of it, leaving it behind. Well, you know, if that was then, this is now. No, it's all God's word. That's why he wants me to remain there, knowing it, studying it, memorizing it, living it. It's got to be the foundation and the source of all that I teach and all that I do. And that's a great thing. I have the best resource imaginable, the surest foundation possible. And that's why he tells him, Scripture, twice he, he gives this list. Scripture is profitable. And he lists four things. Teaching. 
Part of my role is teaching. Scripture is the truth, God's truth. Truth about God, truth about creation, truth about God's rules and expectations. So it instructs us by means of its very content, just simply what's there and what's it talking about, which is such a challenge in a world where people don't want to be taught. So much of the world now today wants to hear what their itching ears want to hear. They don't even want to consider that there may be another truth outside of them. I decide what's right and wrong. If it works for me, if it fits my lifestyle. That was true in Timothy's day too. Paul says, keep teaching. Keep teaching the word. And in so doing, there are times when that word will reprove. Reproof. Refuting error. Who says who's right, what's right and wrong? God does. He does. He makes the rules, and so there is right and wrong. And those times that as a pastor you need to say, no, that's not correct. That's not God's will. That's wrong. Therefore, Scripture becomes useful for correction. I don't just say, okay, it's wrong. The idea is that that word is changing us, correcting us, setting us right. Again, God saying that path. God pointing us where he wants to go along that narrow way. He places my feet there. He places my feet on solid ground. What a gift. Not just telling me right and wrong, but actually changing me. That's training in righteousness, isn't it? He tells and does and fixes and moves and corrects me. It empowers me to do the very thing that God asks. Scripture makes me wise for salvation. It changes who I am, always giving me the gift of the Holy Spirit through that very word to equip, to change, to help me live that godly life. For all of those reasons, we need to be people of God's word. Because as we live together as people of God's word, it means that we have a strength and a wisdom that's beyond us. Boy, am I glad I don't have to have all the right answers. God does. Scripture is what teaches, reproves, corrects, and trains. I can't do all of that. I'm sorry to tell you, I'll never be the perfect pastor because I'm just as human as you are. The joy is I don't have to be. Your Savior is my Savior. We both live under that wonderful and beautiful umbrella of grace. I sin daily. I fall short of the glory of God on a regular basis, just ask my wife, 
in the front row. I do wrong. I sin. I think wrong. I'm doing the things I don't want to do. I'm not doing the things that I want to do. And I'm forgiven. Jesus died for me. He washed me clean. He made me white in the blood of the Lamb. I am loved by God even when I'm not lovable. I'm destined for heaven because of Jesus, not because of me. And so are you. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are loved. You are going to heaven. I'm not sure what this week will bring, either for me or for you. I don't know the challenges and the struggles ahead, at least not exactly. But what I do know is that God will be with you to equip you to do his will. Always remembering that that wonderful word of God is breathed out by him. Profitable. As we teach, reprove, correct, and train. As we are equipped for every good work. May God work that in each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen.